People always ask how I balance my family life with 400 shows a year. I'm just doing what I love with the people I love. It's my magic life. I like Wes Isley. I like everything about him. All right. Is this Kimmy? Yes, it is. Hi, Wes. How's it going? Hey, how are you? So we have all these different podcast groups, and we met Kimmy through a podcast group, and she was like, yes, I want to come on. We want to tell you about our event we have going on and all the things we have going on in business. And I'm like, let's do it. So welcome, Kimmy. How are you? I'm good. I, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm tired. But that, I think that's being a small business owner, you're supposed to be tired sometimes. All right. Well, tell everybody about your business and how you got started. Well, um, so it started about a little bit over um, uh, four years ago. We are out in uh, San Diego County, the high desert of San Diego County, and uh, we are Ocean's Orchard. And it started off with um, about 80 acres of land right next to Anza Borrego Desert State Park. All right. Now, this is California. Yes, California. This is the largest state park, and it's also the third largest in the country. And so it was this 80 acres in which it was just, if you could look past the trash, because it's pretty remote. So people will go out there and just dump like large pieces of trash, like washing machines that don't work or, or, or there's even trailers that look like a tornado hit it. But if you look past it, it's actually pretty gorgeous. And so we had this idea of actually having an orchard. And so it was a great deal actually, you know? And so it was, okay, let's do it. And we got 80 acres and we started cleaning it up. But this this 80 acres was inside this small town of about 600 people called Ranchita. And um, in that town is like a typical, you know, story that we hear in rural America where um, it just hasn't healed from recession and just how commercialization and big businesses. Um, and there was this, in this small town is this store. It's like the the town store and it was about to close. It was about to shut down. And um, our long-term goals of Ocean's Orchard was to make, turn it into like a destination, you know, like we'll have the orchard, but also be a place where people come visit. And having the only business in town, like, shut down then it didn't seem like it's a it's, it's it should be part of that um and we felt for the locals too because in either direction you would have to drive about 25 minutes to go to a to get to another store another food source so we felt like you know maybe we could just pause our project on the orchard a bit and uh, see how we can maybe turn this around for the for the store it was called it's called Montezuma Valley Market and you know uh, I'm from, I'm actually from Brooklyn. My husband's from New Jersey. You know, we grew up with, I grew up at the bodega around the corner. We grew up with your, your typical convenience store. We just like, okay, how hard could it be to run a store? You know, just, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> people, just sell what people Everybody want has to one. Buy. Yeah, exactly. How hard could it be? Just sell what people want to buy. Because, you know, I don't know, being city, maybe it was a bit arrogant of us, you know, because we, we always stop by this small town store and, you know, it, it, you know, it has empty, you know, shelves. Now, it doesn't have much going on for it, but we just kind of thought maybe that's just a rural way of things. And so we're like, maybe we could do a little bit better. And immediately within the first year, we realized it really is not that easy. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we kind of started regretting. We're like, what the hell do we get ourselves into? <laughs> um, 
because remember it is this is an old this is like an old mining town so you have a lot of like uh you have uh some generations there that used to things being a certain way but then also the, there's the part where it's just difficult running a rural business where you don't have a lot of stuff going on so most people already go further into the city and then they purchase everything they need so when they get into town unless if they're actually extremely poor and they don't have good transportation those that's usually a clientele there um, oh, but the other part of it, though, is we're on the main road that takes people to the actual park. And Tobago Desert State Park brings a lot of people in, but it's seasonal because it gets hot. So mm -hmm. um, the desert season doesn't start to like towards the fall and it starts tapering off around the springtime. Um, but either ways, after a few years, it was it was difficult. And then COVID hit. And but we started realizing we just have to we had to do things much differently. You have to be a lot of things to many people, um, to few people in order to make it work. And we kind of, you know, we chugged along. You know, we started bringing in fresh food. We started bringing in different things that the rural area, the locals just never seen before. Um, just um, kind of going to our own, our own rhythm. And um, and then we then we kind of hit jackpot, too, because the store is also about about four miles from the Pacific Crest Trail. Now the Pacific Crest Trail is what you would call, I would call like a, a really long walk where people take this hike from the Mexican border all the way up to the Canadian border. Wow. Wow. Yes, and they 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 and they decide <laughs> to do this on their own. <laughs> that's a really long walk. That's a that's that yes, that's a really long walk. <laughs> yes, yes, and and it's 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 a huge community, and it's amazing too because I was just like when I first heard of it because you know I like to hike. You know, like you can maybe get me to do about four miles. You know, five miles. Right. And then I'm looking forward to like the end of the day where I could like stretch my legs and have a good meal and lay in a bed. But mm -hmm. no, these people are literally they play like kind of homeless for a couple of months. Like they put everything on hold in their lives and they just, they just do it. And, and we are, we are along uh, uh, the pathway of that. And when we realized it, we're like, Oh my God, because you know, most of the times what they try to do is they try to, what they call is they do their resupply because they can only carry so much at a time. Um, and so anytime they reach a town, they eat and then they get, they get about maybe a few days worth of food to carry them to the next town. And this is a big deal because they have to register for it and then they actually have to apply for a permit. So they only provide so many permits for each person per day. And oh, so, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and it starts March 1st. And then it goes up until June because by June, it starts to get really hot, really, really hot. And then you start um, people dehydration, water sources, you know, stuff starts drying up along the trail. Um, but this was a big deal when we figured this out because we're like, okay, they're just four miles. If we just like, just get them to the store, that's a huge revenue, you know, um, that will come in to help keep the lights on for the store because the store is not, that it's not needed. There's a lot of poverty, you know, there's a lot of people just stuck there and they have no other options, but they just don't make enough in order for the store itself to be profitable. But that doesn't mean they shouldn't have access to food. And so um, we figured out that um, you, you kind of serve both purposes. We're both tourism um, and it's seasonal, but then you need that in order for you to keep the lights on and, and provide for the community for the rest of the year. Right. And so what is what is your local 
demographic? I mean, they're coming in all year, just like a convenience store type thing. Yes, yeah, it's like it's like your basic groceries. You know, your basic groceries, but also your convenience, and also because for me, it's a big deal to make sure people have access to vegetables and fruits. So we try to have those. Unfortunately, um, you know, stuff we we don't have um, the cushion and um, like most big. Um, grocers to have so much spoilage. So typically we rely more like you're frozen. Um, if we do have fresh, we try and make like a big sale of it. Like I know during COVID, our big thing was we partnered with local farmers um, when there was uh, issues with like, you know, the supply chain. And so we was able to offer like, you come and buy a whole bag of avocados, a certain type of tropical fruit. You know, we buy it, we sell it in bulk, so it brings people in and then we get rid of it quickly. But typically, nice. though, um, it's it's hard. It's hard to gauge. It's just it's just difficult. And then the but the other part is we pay the same amount of fees and taxes as those who have stores in the city. Mm. Um, and so, so, so you have this challenge, but our store is really, it's like everything. It's also, it's also like a, um, a beer garden. We're also a beer garden. We're also a local hangout. We also have U-Haul people come and rent trucks. You really got to be a lot of stuff. Um, but it helps because it kind of helped us gauge, um, how the community is doing. Cause it brings, at one point you'll have everybody come in. You know, and mm-hmm. then you get to talk to them. You get to understand their struggles and what's going on in in, in rural California. Um, but either ways, yeah, the Pacific Crusher was a was like a, a light went on for us, right? But then, um, but then, yeah, towards the end, COVID hit, and then last year when we went to start the new season, we were excited, right? We was like, okay, this time it's gonna be it gonna have the Pacific Crest show is gonna get us he's gonna get us in the green and then oh wait 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 I think I know where you're going before you get there was COVID good for you we were entertainers during COVID so we weren't allowed to work where everybody was drinking beer everybody was going out hiking everybody that sounds like everybody's going to see you but they weren't coming to see magic shows so, so like they could still be outside and do the outdoor things so but, so know. it was mixed because because okay. remember like for us, like the big chunk, like with the Pacific Crest Trail, when we started off that year, it was going good. But then, remember, those people had to get permits, uh-huh. and the permits got canceled because of COVID. Oh no! And also, California, everything's think... way stricter out there. Yeah, yeah. But I would think with being it being outdoors, I just figured you can definitely social distance on that long of a but, walk. But yeah, so, but yeah. it was. It was funny though because because I get it because you have to understand you have because Pacific it's not only it's not only people who live in the country that did this is an international affair you have people flying in from across the globe to do this okay yeah. right and so it it caused caution where you didn't want people who were sick or they could get sick and they would be traveling from town to town. So, yeah. and then you have the other concern where a lot of these small towns, they became fearful, you know, they didn't want to have, they kind of was, they wanted to close, close it off from having visitors. Okay. Um, so it, it's a lot of, it was a lot of politics at, at play too. And then us as a store, um, cause we were both, right. We were both a store, we were also a hangout. We, you had a mix of people who didn't believe in it and didn't care, you know, and, and people get, you know, get a little crazy, you know, they don't want you to tell them what to do, what to put on. Mm-hmm. But then you have those people, which they want to feel comfortable and they don't want to go somewhere that doesn't wear a mask. So mm-hmm. there was a time where we did close, 
because because we had employees, right? We have employees and um, we understood that um, in low income areas, you know, you could tell the employee like, hey, you don't have to work, you don't want to, but what kind of decision is that they're not gonna be able to, they have bills to pay as well. Mm -hmm. so we did close um, for a few weeks until we figured out the, I guess the, the, the lay of the land when it comes to how the people, the locals were feeling and how it was gonna be impacting um, visitors. But yeah, there were some parts in which the parks were closed. There's certain parts of the, of the park was closed um, to certain activities. Um, so, so it was, so it was, it was a mix of how it impacted okay. us. Uh, but when you looked at the numbers though, in totality, it, it did impact us though. We did have a loss of about 30%. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad you guys survived. There's a lot of, you know, smaller businesses that that went oh yeah yeah so, those you know primarily like sit in and eat no it was it was brutal like we they they would show it on the news like the businesses that were closed and it was just heartbreaking because we yeah. just we could only imagine because we know how much we put into our business like you can't even come to fathom it you know and then to just have it go like that is just heartbreaking yeah um, absolutely we're self-employed as yeah, well yeah and we your understand. heart and soul goes into to something like that when it's when you own it and you run it and you love it yeah yeah so i'm glad you all made it because it sounds like a really neat place like i've been looking at at all the different things you guys do and i'm like man we should take a vacation <laughs> out there <laughs> it's really, it gets it gets funny you know we desert people so we, you know we kind of special <laughs> <laughs> um, but um and we and yeah we definitely do a lot there and even in the area there's a lot that goes on um within the park even um borrego springs um it, it kind of takes you back into like they still have the the nostalgia the 70s uh, uh decorations and design and backdrop and then you have a lot of like your desert dwellers and those Mad Max machines that go out into the desert. And then you have like your typical, your, lots of sports goes on. We have so a bouldering, you have um, cycling, backpacking, hiking, camping. We have paragliders. I know all of that, but bouldering, what's bouldering? Oh, that's the one that's basically rock climbing, but we don't have like big mountains and stuff like that. And then you have the people in which in their, in their actual Jeeps, they climb. That's the cars. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. I've seen YouTube videos of that. All right. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. So you made it through COVID and I cut you off and then, sorry. Yes. So, um, yeah, we made it through COVID. Everything's coming. Everything's opening up. And then now we're just we're ramping up for the start of the of the Pacific Crest Trail season. We're excited. We're like, OK, this is going to be it. And it did start off good, you know, start off good. And then um, when it started reaching because it reaches its peak because prime the prime time is about April. And then that's when our store burnt down. Oh, mm. what the heck happened? You know, I don't. So, okay. So I'll be, so I'll be missing the point there if I don't take it a bit back. So you had, we were prepared for the Pacific Crest um, trail season and, and, you know, it starts in March, right? It starts in March. And then about towards middle of March, we get um, the uh, prognosis for our daughter, right? She has cancer. Oh, so, no. So in March, you know, so this is a thing, you know, when you're, you know, my partner, my husband, you know, we're, we're good at certain things. And at this point, 
you know, we just couldn't stop everything with the um, Pacific Crestro because that was that was a pretty big deal in um, keeping our our books lined for the year. Mm -hmm. So I was okay. You know, I'm good at this. I'm good at reading um, uh, medical reports and studies and dealing with the doctors. I was like, I'll do that. You know. I was like, you take care of the business. So we kind of like a divide and conquer kind of thing. And um, and so, and it kind of helped him be able to focus, right? He trusted me that I could take, I could handle that. And so while we're doing all the tests and figuring out the options, um, and it was her first week to start chemo, right? First week to start chemo. And we get home and it was like that night, we get a call. This is like around midnight, like one o'clock in the morning. And for instance, you know, because you know, as you, you know, we have a public number for a store. We all, we're used to getting like random calls at night. So we kind of ignore it. Most of the time it's people who are like drunk or they got lost and they think we're going to be open for them to go pick them up or something. Um, but this one, it just kept calling. Then finally we get like a local that called us and we're like, wait a minute, <clears throat> something must be serious. And so... Um, we picked it up and it was like, Hey, you need to get over here. The store's on fire. Like what? And they're like, yeah, the fire crew's here, but, um, we don't know if there's much that's going to be saved. And I was kind of shocked and shocked because so, so we live where we live. We live in Ramona. So Ramona's rural too, but it's not like rural, like Ranchita. Ramona is about, uh, about maybe 30,000. Whereas in Ranchita is about 600 people. So, and it's about uh, like a 45 minute drive. So um, Mike got up and just drove back, drove over there to Ranchita. And by the time he got there, it was just ashes. Oh, oh gosh. But- And you have no idea, didn't leave the grill no, on. No. So this is the thing, you know, because this was like, this is like at the peak point of the hiker season. But the thing with the store, you know, this is how we always saw the store. We, we, we didn't own the land it was on, right? We basically rent the building and we operated the store, right? But it's still very much like a, it's, it's, like, it's like a local jewel, you know? It's been there since like the early 1900s, you know, during like, you know, the gold rush era. Wow. And, um... And so it's always basically a place where a lot of locals come and hang out. So we operate the business, but after we close, you know, we close, but we leave the sitting area for people to sit down and hang out, you know? So the store closes, usually by the time the sun um, goes down, you know, Mike locks up. But if people are there, whether it's the hikers or it's the locals, you know, because they hang out. And, and, and it's a good thing, believe me, you know, for mostly locals who don't like leave their area that they grew up in, you know? Maybe they might go as far as the next county over, but with the Pacific Crest Show, when you have people who come from a different state, a different country, we enjoy the fact to see them communicate with other people, right? It expands their mind, expands their experiences in a certain way. So when people stay there and they hang out, we let them, we let it be, we close up, but they are, they're always welcome to, to stay and to stay, sit down, chat. And so, um, uh, we weren't there. We don't know what happened. Um, of course, afterwards, it's a lot of finger pointing, you know, because, you know, the locals are hurt. Their right. only store is gone, you know, and then the hikers are hurt because um, even though it's interesting, even though like before we were never like, we, so basically 
the way it is, is like the Pacific Crusher, we're four miles from it, right? So mm-hmm. they would have to stop before they get to us. There's another town called Julian. So that's like that's like the quintessential tourist town for people who want the city people want to go visit rural area. Um, but they're at the 77 mile mark, and then we're at the hundred mile mark. So that's a good that's a good break in order for you to be able to get an item to get your resupply. So right. we became so our store like overnight became vital, you know. Um, and once so there were some hikers who were like puking and crying when they saw the store burnt down. Oh God. Um, and so yeah, so we were, it was, it was, it was like, we were in like a haze, you know, you know, we're already dealing with the cancer, you know, a ch- child with cancer. That's just like, I can't like, even imagine. Yeah. And then, and then the store burning down, you're like, what is like, is this a sign? Like, are we, I'm looking at Mike, like, yo, who did you hurt? <laughs> like, oh, it had to be his fault. Come on now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I didn't do it. I don't think I did anything that bad. Dude, what did you do? Right. And um, but it was just so surreal. But the thing was what's crazy was like, um, because you know, we're different. Because besides the fact that we're we're not like we're not local locals, you know, we're not rural types, but but just how we approach the community and what we did, it made us different. We were always we were always on the front line. If something is impacting the community or impact the people, I have no issues in stepping up front and saying, okay, what do you need us to do? And for that reason, it made us stick out a lot, you know, from the other local businesses. And so um, when it happened, you know, you know, you have all these towns have their Facebooks, you know, so you have Ranchita has his own Facebook group, but then Borrego Springs, they're like the next town over, but we consider them like, they were they're like our big sister town and um and when it happened everybody was like what do you need from us kemi and mike we can't let you guys go we're like we can't let you guys go this is just not gonna happen you guys are like the best thing that's happened to the town and and i don't know you know at that point i was just like i don't i felt horrible because you know, we the only reason we took over that store is because it was going to shut down, right? And we, we felt the town shouldn't have not have a, a store, and then it ends up burning down on our watch. And even on that aspect, I told Mike, you know, Mike is just exhausted. You know, he's like, we've we've tried everything, and then when we finally figured it out, the formula, it just maybe just is not it's not for us. And I was like, yeah, but we just can't we can't walk away. We can't. How would it look for us to like have this store has been there for a long time <laughs> and, yeah. have, and have it burned down on our watch and we can't, we can't do that, you know? And so, um, but I, I got it. Maybe I was like, maybe we just need time to think this through. But in the background, you know, somebody from Brega was like, okay, I'm going I'm to put up a GoFundMe page. We're going to, we're going to do this. And, um, and then from there, you know, so you have two communities, you have two big, you have the local community, you know, the desert community, and then you have the Pacific Crestro community. And like I said, this is, they're pretty big, you know, cause, cause you know, that's, that's something huge to undertake, right. To, to walk over 2000 miles mm-hmm. and, and, it, and it forms this camaraderie with them and they have these groups and always sharing ideas and learning and, um, and so when when they found out that happened to us, then they also took up took it up too. And then and then it got to the 
um, uh, they was like, okay, we're gonna reach out to all these. It's amazing to me the age of social media with influencers. Like um, when you have a lot of people following you, that's a lot of power. I didn't really quite understand it until um, we reached out to, um, uh, he's, uh, they're an, an environmentalist and uh, a backpacker, you know, through hiker, really big on the outdoors. And they had um, their own plans of doing the Pacific Crest show as well. And when they found out about us, they they're huge following on um, on Instagram, social media. I think on Instagram, maybe about half a million people. Wow! And then they wanted Patagonia, um, wanted to share our story and then help us raise funds. And I could not believe it. Like so, we started when we started off the the fundraising. You know, we reached maybe about a, a couple of thousand. You know, because it's a small town. It's it's not we know it's not a rich town either. You know, they're doing what the best they can. But then when it got to the the hiking, the hiker community, um, and with Patty, um, when when they released, when they um, shared our story, then like within a day, day and a half, up to eighty thousand. Um, wow, I was I was so I was humbled, yeah. you know, because this because there was a lot of people when wish they'd never been to our store, you know, but just the fact that we we were store and we they felt we were vital to their community and to the locals, you know, they, they gave, um, and some gave as much as they can from everything from $5 to, we have a couple of thousand. It was just so, it was so surreal. And we were so grateful for it. I can't, I don't think I have the words for it. Um, and so what's the, what's the store look like now? Well, so so that's the other part of it where now we had to um, you have to rebuild it. And in California, San Diego County, in particular, it's not easy um, doing anything, really. <laughs> and so um, we actually just this past Friday just got our permit approval. Andrew, we started this since last year and it was it was just painful. Oh, my God. I don't know anybody would want to choose to do this. Um, but, but we, we got it designed, we got an architect cause you had to do that. Cause I initially was like, okay, how about we just get like a metal shed and just put shelves in it, but it doesn't work that way. You got to go through the process in the entirety from the beginning. And that's what we did. And, um, and the funds raised helped us immensely. It didn't cover everything, but helped us immensely, at least with the start. And now we finished with the engineering phase. And this week, we're going to start with breaking ground. Nice. Oh, yay. Good. Nice. That's awesome. What are, what are they thinking the deadline's going to be? When do you think you'll be open again? Ooh, man, um, I stopped making deadlines after I started this. <laughs> my deadline well, I, thought they gave you, like... I thought they gave you that. I thought they were like the builders will tell you like six months out, you know. Oh no. So you expect well, like nine months instead. Well, <laughs> right. So to make it so to make it more affordable, because if we hired an actual general contractor, because usually it's like what, fifteen percent right off the top. And we've had we've got some quotes, but this is very much an owner build. So we are gonna be our own contractors and we're gonna be getting subcontractors to work on it piece by piece. Oh wow. But, but for the general, because it is, it is going to be like a prefab steel building. And so that shouldn't take more than three months. So we are, um, we are anticipating, we should be, we should be ready to open by February of next year. But you guys, 
did I read right that you guys have a temporary store set up? Yes, we do have a temporary store set up because when when we realized just how much effort this was going to take, because mind you, so the issue, so the issue that we 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 came across is because this build this old as hell. It's it's old and mm -hmm. and and because you know we desert people, you know they're all the way out there, so they kind of just did whatever they wanted, right? Mm -hmm. And so now that we came in and we right you know because we are an official business then the county wanted us to make everything to code so that means everything that was there was brought to light <laughs> and so oh yeah. gosh <laughs> and so um and 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 when i realized okay this is going to take a long time so let's utilize the the structures that's already on the property so what we had to do is because we were renters at first so now we had to actually purchase the lot and so the lot had a few other structures. They were small, you know, so, but we said that, oh, oh we'll make do with it. So actually, and that kind of helped us a bit because remember, uh, it broke, but then we've had another hiker season in uh, March. And so, so we opened up uh, the temporary store um, fall of last year in which, you know, we, we try to, we try to fit as much as we can along with like a, um, a container to help us expand our storage a bit. So the locals, you know, they could still come get little odds and ends and not have to drive 20, 25 minutes away. Yeah. Imagine the day after the fire, somebody had to be out there with a cooler just selling bottled water for all the hikers. <laughs> Word didn't spread that fast, and those people are dying. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was it was definitely like we had video of it because you know we have our like our landmark. There is this eleven foot yeti that's in front of the store, and it was just kind of surreal because the the yeti is like the landmark for Ranchita. Um, and he's okay. And he was okay. Like, yeah, you you see, like the the those because there was a lady who lives across the street, and she was able to take the recording of the fire. And you have like the fire just roaring around the Yeti, and he's just like, "This is it's not going to happen to me today. It's not happening." Wow. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So the so the Yeti is fine, but but yeah, we're pretty excited about because we were kind of wondering if is if we're ever going to make it through this permitting phase. It was it was it was difficult. It was difficult just trying to make everything right that hasn't been done right for decades yeah so that's, that's gonna take some time sure so february everything's gonna be back open running and you guys are gonna be 100 even better than before yes well that's what that's where that's that's the goal because you know we also because remember this like this building was the previous one was old right so it was just mm -hmm. built for its time so the new building you know it's, it's gonna be a bit bigger um because old building was a, maybe about uh, like about 800 square feet. So this new store is going to be 1350. And nice. then it's going to have, yeah, and it's going to have a commercial kitchen. Um, and the commercial kitchen part was actually really important to us. And the reason why is because the way they have the codes out in California, where, um, you know, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people, they start off as small food vendors. Um, in, in, in California, you can't, unless, unless if you're like, a, unless you have like an agreement with the actual commercial kitchen, you can't be a food vendor. So, um, so that kind of really limited a lot of people who live in the area on them having a food business. So a lot of them probably, they have a food business, but not, it's not a legit one. It's not a legal one because mm -hmm. they don't, they don't have a close commercial kitchen. Like they would have to drive 45 minutes away. 
So if they wanted to do a food truck or do some kind of cart or something, it's not it's not happening. But then the other aspect of it is just being a, re a food retailer. You know, when you order items, it's cheaper if you're able to just um, split them up in a kitchen and then package it yourself. Um, then so that just helps with our bottom line of making things affordable. Awesome. Yeah, and then the other addition we have is a shower. Um, this is another dirty secret that California's have. In our area, there's a lot of people who don't have access to running water. Oh, this gosh. was this this blew this blew my mind. Like I tell you, like because you know I grew up in in Brooklyn, New York. I seen poverty even here in San Diego, and even in San Diego City. You know, you have people who are out in the streets. You know, it's sad, but they're 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 able to like walk to a park or walk somewhere and access water in mm -hmm. the desert. That's not that doesn't exist. You know, um, and then you have a lot of people just do it out. And when we so when we had the store, you know, we would make it a point that we would leave the hose out because people will come out and fill out like big jugs to carry them through. And the county is not aware of this, even the politicians, you know, they don't know. They, they think the only poverty to see is the ones and people in the streets in the city. But you have people which. I'm in the store and I'm like, where do these people come from? Like some of them don't have shoes. I can't imagine where they're living in. Probably in like old um, mining um, facilities, tunnels, you know, all these places. And it's just, but at least at a minimum, they should be able to access water, be able to take a shower. So you live in an old mining community. Do you, do you have the old tunnels and stuff nearby? Yeah. Wow. Down nearby. Possibly. Like old I bridges. mean, it's down there too. Yeah, bridges, like, yeah, there's, like, a lot of, like, cool knickknacks. And even, too, like, it's because it's also um, native land um, as well. Um, so there's a lot of, you can see traces of, of you know, I forgot what they call. There's, like, these little whole divots they make in, like, some of the boulders and rocks from what the, the natives, the Native Americans used. Um, so, yeah, there's a ton of history in our area. So do you have a well or are you paying city water to be pumped out there to you? So, so interesting you said that. So yeah, um, the lot that the store is on is on a well. Okay. Right? So this, so this brings in the next drama. Like, I'm like, you guys are going to be, you guys are going to be so versed in, in how to build stuff. <laughs> no, no. Cause our old house was on city water and I imagine giving away buckets of water, buckets of water. Ours kept getting more and more expensive just from our house. They charged us. Thirty dollars to even have water running to our house, and then ten dollars for so many gallons. So I can't imagine just giving away to free to the public. But then a well—you don't want your well going dry. You have to make food. You have to flush the toilets and showers and things. So that's why I was wondering which way is it going. So, well, I don't so. So I get when you're saying like you know it could go dry, but I don't. I think. Well, at least where we're located, we don't have water issues, right? We're still very spread out. Remember, this is like 600 people for, and I don't even know like what's the how big Ranchita is. So there's not, so there's not a fear of, and then we don't have like large, and we don't have large farms, you know, because usually that's what causes the issue, right? Well, you mentioned the word desert, so that made me think, uh, not, <laughs> not a lot of water. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we're, but we're high desert. See, that's the key. Okay. We get snow. Okay. We get snow, you know. Oh. We get, yeah, we get snow. So we're not um we're not we're not at the bottom. We're at, we're about um 4200 uh feet above. Um 
So yeah, we don't we don't get dry like that. Okay. So that's the difference. But no, I no, I see what you mean. No, water we have what we call good water. And um and it should be accessible because in two there was a fire not that long ago too. So you had a lot of people in which they just couldn't afford to leave and they're just living on barren land yeah. um after the fire. So is the shower like, you know, just pay per shower? Is it free or how does that work? Well, we definitely want to do something where, because we know some people probably just can't, no, I'm, we're probably not going to ask them to pay. Or maybe they'll, it'll be a reduced price for locals that we know. Because um, you, you get to know the people in the town who need it, you know. Um, and then for others, because it is, we are a transient area. So you have a lot of people who are just out there camping or doing their outdoor sports. And maybe they might want a shower, so they would have to pay for it. Yeah. So it would it would be that kind of balanced approach. But even with the water, because um, we are, we're, we're, we have our permit to build, but even the water situation became an issue for that. Like, I think it, it comes down to that one with the fear, because with California, the fear of running out of water or, or water quality. Um, this is also something which, because of how old the lot is, it came, it came back to bite us, in which us adding a commercial kitchen um, brought on the requirement for a, a public water system permit. And um, and what that is, it's, it's something most people aren't really aware of, because if you live in a town, um, a city that has an established water district, so they already kind of take care of that portion of it. But in a town like ours, it doesn't have that, right? It's only, it's a town with one commercial lot and one commercial business, which is us. And what they did was in order your, the food code, right? And the food code, how they define potable water in which you need to use potable water um, to have a commercial kitchen. But instead of them defining potable water based on lab results, you know, like you test your nitrates or your E. coli and all that stuff, they tied it to another permit. And that permit goes through another agency <laughs> which regulates water. And in their regulations, your well has to meet a certain criteria. Bureaucracy is never easy. All yeah. never. It's never. not. It's not. And I'm sure you could guess that since our lot is so old, our well definitely didn't meet their criteria. <laughs> uh, um, and oh, so, man. yeah. So, so on the parallel as we're working on, as we're building, right? Um, I'm fighting with them on this aspect where I said, okay, you know, it's good progression for a town. They definitely, we definitely need a public water system permit, but that shouldn't be on us as one business on one lot. Um, so we was able to get a community development corporation to help with that, but that's still something that's going to take a couple of years because you got to do an environmental report. They do all this stuff, right? And then the legality of it. And I'm like, in the interim, can we just use our well? It's tested. Nothing wrong with it. Hell, if you want to add a fil extra filter, dual layer filter, and test it quarterly, be my guest, you know. But don't have us have our kitchen be invalid for three years while you guys. Goodness. Yeah. So we're going to see how that goes. Well, can I ask you how your daughter's doing? So she's doing fine. She's on oh, remission. Um, uh, we had to do, uh, it was an intensive cancer, uh, what was it, um, treatment. Um, it, was, it was rough. It was a couple of weeks in the hospital. 
but she got her last uh, chemo um, in August of last year. Awesome. Um, so, you know, and, and it was, I'm telling you, it's one of those that I'm so grateful for because as you start going to these pediatric um, centers, you see their kids there who've been, who've been there for, who go there for, who've been there for over a year, you know, mm-hmm. multiple and you see the people, the family members with them. It just is, it breaks your heart. It does. Um, yeah. Natalie's dad's a cancer doctor for kids. And I go every Christmas and go visit the kids at the hospital and do magic room to room. And you just never know from room to room what you're going to get. And it does yeah. my heart good too, to go there because, yeah. you know, you, you, you're putting a smile on those kids' faces and you don't know what they're going through. And yes. a lot of them are in immense pain. Yeah, putting a smile on their face. It's like, wow. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I yeah. am so glad she's all right. When you mentioned that, I was like, oh, no. So I, I had to ask. So um, I'm glad she's doing well. That's yeah, awesome. she's yeah, she's doing well. Teenager. She's fierce. It definitely changed her a bit. Um, uh, yeah, but sure. We're we're grateful. We're grateful. We're grateful for all the support because we got tons of support to help carry us through. Nice. Well, we're already 40 minutes in this podcast, and I have lots of questions for you. You have you have a bed and no breakfast going on at your place. I, I want to know about this. <laughs> well, that was that was part of, the, um, uh, I guess, what we created for the hikers, um, because they come in, and some of them, they're just tired, um, and they come, they resupply, and they're like, man, I don't think my feet could take me any further. I need to take a break for like a a night or two. And so that lot, since we had to take it over in order for us to start the, the project, um, that's what we called it. The bed, no breakfast. Nice. That's a neat idea. I like it. So, <laughs> so I have five acres here in my property and I like the idea of having bees and I know yeah. you're a beekeeper. So tell me, do I want to do that or do I not? I already have chickens. Do I want bees? How how in, how much time is invested, I think, is what he needs to know. Does he have time oh, for this? So, I mean, so I find it very therapeutic and relaxing. And um, it all depends on what you want to get out of it. The most time-consuming part for me is when you get the honey. And that's the part I like the least. Because I feel so bad about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they work because they work so hard to create their, to make their honey and to take care of the hive. And you just go in and you, um, you open up their roof, you, you disrupt their order and then you take their goods. It's just, um, it just doesn't seem fair. I take the chicken's eggs every day. It doesn't bother me one lick. (laughs) (laughs) I know, but they get, but, but they, they get, they get really fierce about it. Um, and so, uh, I don't know, like typically, you want to check your hives um, um, no more than uh, like every three weeks. Some people do two weeks. I, I, re- I figured, and each hive has a different personality. Like my queens have each, they, each one has a different personality and what they tolerate and what they're okay with. <laughs> and that's why some of them, I name them after my friends. <laughs> I name them after my 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 girlfriends and how they behave and and um, how they react to certain treatments and and That's like great. there's some hives in which they they are, don't mind with me putting a frame and other ones no matter how many frames I put they won't use it so it all depends. That's hilarious. What got you 
what got you to start doing beekeeping? Oh, well, it was kind of part of that in the beginning when we wanted to get into agriculture, um, okay. where we when we had the 80 acres and we wanted to put the orchard in it. And um, you kind of, I'm an I'm a engineer by trade. And so I like systems, you know, I see things as systems that work together. And part of it is your pollinators, but um, you kind of grow and you learn. Because even now, you know, where, where we start off as 80 acres is now 120 acres. And I realized that I really don't want to disrupt the, the natural ecosystem that's right there by the Anzabrego Desert State Park. Because actually the desert is very sensitive. Mm -hmm. it, is, it is very sensitive. And I felt me digging up and adding like trees, fruit trees that aren't, don't belong there. It's not going to do it any good. And even with my bees, I've come to realize that, you know, they're not native to North America. And so um, where I have them, I, I notice once I have a large population, I notice that the native bees, their population decreases. Um, this is something oh, which... Wow. Yeah, so you start learning, you know, because as a beekeeper, I like to watch. You start watching and noticing things, and and even then, I realized that the best way forward is for us just to um to partner with other beekeepers, not really to expand to have more bees in one location. That's not healthy. It's not. It's almost because it, it becomes like big ag, and big ag is not good for the environment. Yeah. So how many how many hives do you have? At twenty two. Okay. That's a lot. Well. Oh, that's nothing. Well, that's nothing compared to your typical um, commercial. They 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 start at about uh, five hundred hives. Yeah, well, but whoa. for one person for twenty two hives, that's that's a full day of work getting all the honey. Well, from. yeah. Well, yes, that's true. That's why you kind of taper, and then all not all my hives I take honey from because there's some in which I'm just okay. They're hurting right now. Um, climate change is it's it's been it's they've been feeling it because you have to understand when it gets when it gets unpredictable. Or like when we have really warm winters, when the bees are supposed to be hibernating, then they go through their honey stores. Then they go out, oh they God. burn energy, you know, and it becomes unpredictable. Yeah, yeah. So, well, he's saying that's a lot because he he's he's like, I think I like to beekeep maybe one or two. So, you know, <laughs> he's like, well, yeah, I, whoa, yeah. <laughs> I think I think start off with um, one or if you have a, a local beekeeper there, you know, um, like mirror, you know, shadow them for a bit so you could know because it is an investment. It's a lot of money when you start off with these boxes and all the stuff you need. Mm -hmm. um, and so then you figure, OK, do I really enjoy it or do bees really freak me out? Because I know my husband, he's an awful assistant. Awful. Yeah. We always end up fighting because I don't like how he treats my bees. I don't, I don't, I think he gets too reactive. <laughs> you know, yeah. he takes offense to it and, and the feeling is mutual. They don't like, they dislike him just as much too. <laughs> yeah. See, that would be me. I wouldn't be helping Wes with any of it. So I'd stay away from the bees. Where do you, where do you get your queens at? Oh, well, you have, um, so there are other beekeepers here, like you have master beekeepers, at least some of the ones in which I've trained from, or I reach out to for mentorship. So um, like two of them, they actually breed them, okay. you know, and they cost about um, like $25, $35 for a queen. Crazy um, for a bee. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's, I mean, she's valuable. She is she's kind of be, important. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. she's going to be working for you for two years and she's laying them eggs like crazy. That's all she does is lay eggs every day wow. until until she takes a break during like the hibernation time yeah wow she's working hard 
she's worth that 25 to 30 <laughs> she she really is because she, she's creating all the the workers and so but yeah it's crazy they, they work really hard all right so you do a lot of different things which one is your favorite <sighs> my favorite Ooh. so and that's a hard word to say because you have <laughs> like like i said I, like i said my my beekeeping is very therapeutic to me you know mm -hmm. um but i do feel like i think i get a lot more to me than i give out but then um the community development part i really do enjoy um mm -hmm. i i I think a lot of the, the local politics and some of the government people know me very well now. Um, I, I'm a very forward person and now I talk to people. If stuff doesn't make sense, I'm going to let you know about it. And, and I enjoy because I've come to realize a lot of people, especially small businesses or locals who just come accept things the way they are. And it shouldn't be that way, you know? Like even with um, this water situation, the reason why we're in that situation is because you have these people who make these rules who aren't aware about how it is in rural areas. You know, they didn't know, they don't know that there are places that don't have water districts. If you didn't know that, how would you make a rule that could cost people years and hundreds of thousands of dollars? Yeah. Um, and so I, I, it's not fun, you know, um, but I enjoy it because I, I could I could see when it clicks in their head, you know, uh, like, wow, there is a place like that does exist. <laughs> like maybe we should uh, go back to our books, you know, um, see things a little, do things a little differently. And I enjoy that. And I enjoy going back to locals, you know, and telling them like, hey, okay, this is what, this is what I brought up. This is what we're going to do about it, you know, and, and other concerns that they might have. And I also worked with them too on the whole digital divide because besides water then internet access is also a big deal and that became a huge deal during covid when kids weren't in school i'm like how i'm like you guys are fighting over like the palm tree growing in the wrong place in the sidewalk but you got kids who can't access schoolwork yeah that's a little bit more important yeah absolutely yeah yeah a tree is more important than school. That's yeah. not cool. Yeah. yeah. But but it just comes down to where you have the people who who have the kids in school are too busy working for them to be at some of these these like um what they call these board meetings, you know? Um it's, right. just, it's just how it's just how it is, you know. When they have these board meetings to discuss the important things, it's people who are typically aren't the ones who are most affected or the ones who are there. But, well, you have a huge um, upcoming event coming up. We got 10 minutes left. Oh, yes, we do. So as part of the community development, um, like I said, there's a balance, right? You take care of the locals, but you also got to bring people in. Wanchita um, is not very much known to most of San Diego County, uh, most of San Diego City as well. And so we're like a pass-through town. And in order to and part of the community development's recognition is awareness of Ranchita, of the area, the beauty, and what it has to offer. And so it's so tourism, um, ecotourism, tour sustainable tourism that brings people in to appreciate what Ranchita already has. So um, while we were rebuilding, I was embarking on creating events, you know, that that bring people in. So when they see the name Ranchita, one, they know where it is. And then it, and it brings up like, like, good, like good thoughts, good memories, like 
what you could have there. Uh, Ranchita already has um, events, like we have the Pacific Crest Show. But we also have cycling events, like long distance cycling, the Race Across America, Race Across the West that pass through, and even like long distance um, ultra marathons. But I wanted something that focused on Ranchita. And so to start it off, to kick it off, we have the Ranchita Moon Run. And that'd be in, um, that's coming up in October. And um, for that one, it's it's going to be, because like I said, we're learning this whole event thing. And now I know how the county works. So it's like a semi-private event. It's going to be on our 120 acres. That's right by the um, Anza Borrego Desert State Park, in which it would be under the day after the hunter's moon. So there's going to be plenty of moonlight and lots of glow-in-the-dark um, decorations decorations on the about a three mile course and it will end with live music and tacos street tacos you know we you know from San Diego we love our street tacos (laughs) Um, and vegan ones too because I love my vegans we got a lot of vegan people coming up I want to make sure they're taken care of but then the big part about it is um um uh, as you can see it's important for me to give back and as much as we hurt last year we hurt bad but we came out um, in really good um, condition. Our daughter's fine. We're able to, we got the community to help raise funds for us. So that's a lot of goodness in our universe and we have to pay it back. We have to pay it forward. And so um, part of it is for each event that we coordinate, we want to give back. And so for the Ranchita Moon Run, the first organization we're giving back to is Bite Me Cancer. So they are one of the organizations that I reached out to. You know, try, you know, a teenager going through cancer, they got a lot of stuff going on, but then also mature enough to understand their mortality. And mm-hmm. I, I just didn't know how to handle it. Um, I wasn't sure on the way forward, but Bite Me Cancer... Um, it helped a lot through their kids. Actually, that was the first time I actually saw her pep up, you know, like maybe she could actually beat this and that's huge. Oh, um, that's awesome. And so they were the first organization we'll be given, um, we want to, um, pay it forward to, um, and we actually doing really well. We already raised, uh, like 2,800 for Bite Me Cancer. That's Dude, awesome. So tell me about their kids. We have, uh, our own, uh, 501c3 where we give back in a magical way so tell me about i what is it called i bite me cancer bite me cancer mm-hmm. tell me tell me about their packages what does their package include oh well it's in like this like this it's like a black bag with like bright neon green um uh, coloring for their fonts and has a it has like a ball has a bracelet has a cap as like some like motivational pieces of information in there and you will be surprised because it seemed like the most simplest things, but I just, I don't know what was the, I don't know the magic in it, but it helped. Um, even just like there's a decal you could put on your fridge too. We have that. I think my daughter wore the bracelet the whole time for her treatment. That's oh, awesome. Sweet. That's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, I had this spunk to it, and um, and I appreciate it. But they weren't the only one. I'll tell you, we had quite a few. There's another organization, and that one will be for the next event that we host. Because, um, yeah, because we got running. We have running that comes through. We want to do, like, a cycling relay because, like I said, we're at the high desert. But the low desert is Borrego Springs. So with um, in about 20 minutes, you go down 4,000 feet. It's beautiful. Wow. 
though, but it's steep, but the cyclists love it. It's a thrill ride. So we want to do like a cycling relay, make it like a team sport event. Um, and we want to partner up with other organizations. I do like the bouldering, the rock climbing. Um, and we also have a bike packing event that will be taking place too in November. Um, and that one will be going towards a, a community development corporation so yeah so we have and it's and that's what we realize that's what the rural areas you kind of you need a lot you know you need you need a few things and have it just come together so you have the commercial piece we'll have the store we'll have the restaurant we'll get the water situation fixed we also have to have the part that brings people in oh get them to spend money get them to recognize the area and get them to also be aware of what's lacking in the area as well well let's get everybody to find out about you guys what's your website it's um, oceansorchard.com. I know a lot of spell people get... that, spell, spell Ocean's Orchard for me. <laughs> I know they get confused. It's O-S-H-U-N-S-O-R-C-H-A-R-D.com. Oceanorchard.com. And then the um, Montezuma Market on Instagram. Yeah, Montezuma Valley Market. Yeah, you can find us on Instagram. We're, we're a unique uh, store. <laughs> that's good. Well, that's no, that's good. awesome because... Yeah. You know, all these different events you have coming up. I have listeners from all over the world listening now. So uh, it sounds like this is a touristy place and a place if you want to go hiking and, and walk for 2,000 miles, you get to go <laughs> hang out with these people yeah, for a little bit. Yeah, stop in there. Absolutely. Yes, 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 definitely. And even all the events, the bad water that goes on 81 mile race that people and they start from the bottom too and they run up. And it goes uh-huh. through the park as well. And we're like, we're about the 50 mile marker for that. Um, so this is, yeah, it's a, it's a lot to do. And it really gets, it starts getting busy around the fall because, you know, that's perfect desert weather. Um, but then we also get snow as well. And we get snow around February, March, but not, it only stays there for a few days. Nothing Have you ever heard of a poker run? You know, I heard about the poker run. I was looking into that. As, you as need to do that with too. the other people on the, um, on the trail. You know, pick up some hmm. cards at your event place too. That's interesting. I didn't. I see. I didn't think of it to do that for the Pacific Crest Trail. I was thinking for those people who are like in their jeeps and they do like the ride arounds. That's that's town. cool too. But if they if they're doing a whole trail and they're, they're going two thousand miles and they're hitting all these different stores, pick up a couple cards at each store and you but can see, get your poker run. It would it that's would have tagging to be, up with the other stores. It would have to be virtual because these hikers they're really picky about their weight. <laughs> they, uh-huh. Yes, because imagine they got carrying cards. stuff. Yes, yeah, but so it's, it's just like, it's just two playing cards. It's, oh it's... no, they 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 measure their stuff in ounces, Mister. Wow. <laughs> wow, wow, come on. Because it matters. It matters. Imagine All right. Well, they can take a screenshot on their cell yes, phone. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So maybe some kind of virtual, yeah, something virtual. Yeah. <laughs> but that way you're tagging up with the other businesses. No, you're, I like that are, idea. All I've along the trail, you guys are being friends. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a good point. I really like it. Thank you, Wes. I'm hey, you're welcome. You're welcome. That. Hey, thanks for coming on tonight. This was awesome. And I'm glad the business is doing good. Boy, your story started getting real sad when I found out your daughter had cancer. I'm like, oh, no. I knew the business burned down and then cancer and then, uh, but it and turned then everything around. turned around and yeah. had a happy ending. So That's awesome. God bless you. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. This was like the first time I ever done like a live recording. I wasn't sure what to expect, but this was pretty cool. I appreciate talking to y'all. No problem. I'm going to email you in just a couple minutes, but seriously, thank you for coming on. And um, we also have a podcast Facebook group. I'll tell you all about that in the email in a couple minutes. And we'll put all the links to your Instagram, your website, and feel free to post on there. 
about yes, your upcoming share events this. that you have. Yeah, yeah. So absolutely. is this recorded? Like, can my people come on there and listen to it? Absolutely. absolutely. I'm okay. going to share it all with you. I'll send you that email in a couple minutes. Or you can give me a phone call and we'll talk it over. That's okay. absolutely fine. Okay. But the only thing we have left to say is see, see you next, next week. week. <laughs> see you next week. Have a good one, guys. Bye. Bye. Check us out online at wesisley.com and patreon.com forward slash Wes underscore Isley for behind the scene videos, blooper videos, never before seen footage, discounts on merchandise, magic trick tutorials, and more. That's Wes Isley spelled W-E-S-I-S-E-L-I. -S -E